Welcome to another off-the-cuff episode of Picking Off the Page. As it turns out, the uh, group could not come together cohesively to form an actual full episode, so we decided to do another one of our piece togethers. There's a couple of us that have something to say, and we figure we will hold off our 60th episode till at least a few more of us can actually come together to create an episode. So, what does Trevor have to say? Thanks, Troy. All right, so I am going to use this time to talk about Andor. Now, I know that when Andor started, I was a little suspect because it's a character that we know he doesn't die, so he's never really in any peril. And this first season has been bugging me because they've been doing it in like three episode chunks and three episode chunks and three episode chunks, basically grabbing uh, a movie genre. So it was like, you know, the man who had to get out of town and then the heist. And then, so right now we're in um, the prison break um, or at least leading up to it. So um, the last three episodes have been Cassian. First he gets caught by shore troopers and then he gets tossed into the, 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 the gulag um, and leading us to episode nine, which would normally be the end of the, the great escape. But instead, we're still setting up. So this is called Nobody's Listening. So I'll give you a quick recap. Um, so uh, the really mean Imperial Lady Miro has been just torturing people left and right, looking for Cassian. Um, and we find out that the ISB has captured a rebel pilot who was using illegal Imperial tech. So they're starting to get an idea that, you know, maybe there is a rebellion and maybe it's a far more organized than the Imperials thought. Anyway, back to Cassian over on Narkina 5. Um, one of the um, one of his prison crew that he's with, um, you know, is he's starting to slow down. He's starting to struggle. And at the meantime, the prisoners are freaking out over something that's happened on level two, but they have no idea. Now, Kino, as played by, you know, everyone's favorite guy in a motion capture suit, uh, Andy Serkis, but in this case, he's not. Um, he has been very resistant about helping these guys, you know, figure out any sort of prison break, figure out the number of guards. He's even, you know, like, you don't know what's going on or do because it takes weeks for, for a single message to come through. Anyway, so this old guy, Yulof, uh, um, basically he passes out in the line. And so they're trying to keep him alive until a prison medic can show up. And the medic shows up and says, well, this guy's had a stroke. Uh, he's pretty much dead on, you know, dead laying here. So I'm going to euthanize him. At least he'll get a, you know, he'll get a free escape. Um, and the doctor confirms to Cash and Kino that a very disturbing rumor that um, when prisoners are supposed to be released, instead, they go work on a different floor. Once you're in the prison, you never leave. Um, and so in this case, um, so a prisoner was supposed to be released, but instead to work and it forced the prison to kill all the workers on that floor to cover the mistake. Um, because not, you know, these people talk. And so at this point, Cassie and Keenan realized there's no escape. From, there's no leaving the prison. There's no serving out your sentence and going along so this convinces kino to finally you know join cassian's scheme to escape now this is episode nine 
of 12 episodes. That means episode 10, 11, 12 are the great escape. So here we go. So this, the first three episodes of this, this six episode is setting up the plot for the great escape. Um, and maybe this is what's going to make the rebellion think of Cassian more less as a kind of like a free agent and more as someone they need to actively recruit and hold on to. Um, maybe Saul Guerrero will, you know, take him or Saul Guerrero, sorry, uh, will take him. We don't know. We don't know. But is it growing on me? No, not, not like it should be. Again, I have a problem with um with this whole series just again you've got a character how can you build tension when you know the character's never really in any danger because when he shows up in rogue one he's he's hale and hearty and whole and so we don't you know there's nothing they can do him in this series that that can have a lasting physical effect i mean you know you know psychologically whatever um but i i just i can't I can't bring myself to to care really and that's i think that's the crux of the matter is i like the fact that they're steering away from there's no jedi um no one's swinging lightsabers no one's got the force um but at the end of the day it doesn't mean anything like there's no we're getting backstory on a character that didn't even last his own movie so i don't know I don't know. I just, I'm not as enjoying it as much as I think they they thought people would enjoy it. Maybe others are enjoying it more. You know, the stories are interesting, but I can't stand the fact that they're just taking movie tropes and movie genres and just plugging them into a group of episodes. Um, it just, it feels disconnected. Every, like every three, three episodes, it's a disconnect from others. And yeah. So from there, um, I'm going to do a, another quick thing of Quantum Leap. Uh, this past Monday was the Halloween episode of Quantum Leap. Um, oh, ye of little faith, which is kind of fun. Um, so Ben leaps into a priest who has to perform an exorcism. Yeah, pretty cool idea. Um, so supposedly this girl, Daisy, uh, is now possessed by demons, recently turned 18. Um, Ben's not very religious. But he can read Latin because he's supposed to be an over genius. Um, but also Addins, Addison's having problems communicating with Ben. Um, and then her Daisy's aunt is found dead in her room. And the, everyone's debating whether did Daisy murder or did the demon do it? Um, because her aunt's will states that Daisy's going to inherit everything. Um, and then we find out that, you know, this is happening during the great depression or at least the, the the big like black friday crash that sort of thing so like her dad i think or her uncle lost everything her dad's lost a lot um and eventually we find out that you know daisy's mom and her uncle murdered the aunt and have been poisoning daisy um and daisy's mother's unhappy with her husband so she's been having an affair with her brother-in-law which is kind of like uh, um, but if Daisy died, her uncle would be next to inherit all the aunt's money. So they were going to start a new life together. I don't, ugh, whatever. Anyway, just as Ben's about to leap out, uh, Janice Calvecki, Al's daughter from the original series, 
she's the one that's been causing the interference with Addison being able to communicate. She starts to warn him, but he leaps out before she can finish her warning. So this one was nice because we spent a lot more time with Ben in the past. Um, this is what made Quantum Leap so successful. So they had little interjections of the, the present, which I'm still less thrilled about, but it was nice. It was Ben trying to figure stuff out, Ben trying to realize, you know, what is faith, um, faith versus, you know, scientific knowledge, that sort of thing. If I had watched this as the very first episode of Quantum Leap, I would have been hooked better. Um, this was a more interesting episode. Um, yeah, and the episode takes place, I think, during the Great Depression, like in the early 30s. Like the Great Depression, for those of you who don't know, the Great Depression was uh, October 1929. You know, it was the Great Crash. So the 30s, known as the Dirty 30s, is the Great Depression. People struggling with money and and all that stuff. Um, anyways, so. Yeah, I'm saying if this episode had been the very first episode of Quantum Leap, or even the second episode of Quantum Leap, it was a much stronger episode for the characters, um, unless, you know, people standing around talking techno babble to try to get us interested into it. Anyways, um, that's going to be my two cents. So I'm going to turn this over to the next person and let them give their little spiel. Um, which I'm actually very excited to hear about. And yes, I am in a suit. Um, and my hair has been freshly cut. You can see the nice, you know, this side. Um, anyways, have a good time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, if I'm not sure how these are going to be edited together. So, yeah. Uh, enjoy. And we will be back all together next week and there's going to be tons to talk about so uh toodles all right so for my particular segment i'm going to talk about something that i've been uh, listening to actually for uh quite a little while um starting back in june of uh 2021 uh there has been a um series of interconnected uh, radio drama podcasts which is actually uh, being produced by uh, marvel uh, new line cinemas uh, sorry Marvel New Media, I believe is what it is called to, and Sirius XM in association with like Roadrunner Studios. Uh, it is a series of podcasts uh, called uh, Marvel's Wastelanders. Now, there's uh, currently five uh, actual individual stories of this, and it covers uh, characters such as uh, Star-Lord, uh, Hawkeye, Black Widow, uh, Logan, and Doctor Doom. Now, to set up the universe for this particular series is this is not a MCU project. Uh, this is an actual comic book set project. Uh, one of the main reasons being is there are mutants in this particular version of the Marvel Universe. And the uh, first uh, series, which is uh, Old Man Star-Lord, takes place uh, several uh, years after a uh, big event that has happened on Earth and is referred to as V-Day, where all of the, uh, basically, villains of the the earth come together so according to some research the uh, actual universe that this takes place uh, does not actually have a designated uh, number and all that so uh, according to what i've been able to find it's been given a uh, temporary reality number so a tnr of universe 907 
And in this uh, particular universe, the supervillains, led by Doctor Doom, Baron Zemo, and the Red Skull, join forces to kill the superheroes and take over the world. After this event, known as V-Day, the three leaders split up the former United States into three territories, which uh, each took for their own. So it's now a post-apocalyptic future, um, and this the first series, uh, Marvel Wastelanders Old Man Star-Lord, which has been since then renamed just Wastelanders uh, Star-Lord, uh, finds Peter Quill, who is voiced by Timothy Busfield, and Rocket, who is voiced by Chris Elliott, a little paunchier, a little slower, a lot saltier than they were in the day, glory days of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they quickly discover that Earth isn't what it used to be when they crash land 30 years after the world's supervillains seize control. The former Guardians are accompanied by a Rigelian recorder, affectionately dubbed Korra, who uh, documents their mission uh, to find the Black Vortex, uh, which which is uh, like an ancient uh, artifact that uh, the the uh, the collector has uh, got them to uh, um, search out for. Like it has reported to yield like cosmic powers and all that sort of thing. So, um, and they've been um, oh they've been um, uh, they've been fitted with uh, gauntlet uh, collars. Uh, so basically, if they don't finish off this deal, they have their necks broken. So in the uh, barren, desolate wastelands of the uh, Midwest, um, as controlled by Doctor Doom in this particular uh, segment, uh, they encounter the uh, ageless telepath uh, Emma Frost, who is voiced by Vanessa Williams. They run into the uh, outlaw Ghost Rider, uh, outlaw Ghost Riders. Sorry, Ghost Riders, not Ghost Rider, Ghost Riders. They they basically a team that have dubbed themselves uh, Ghost Riders. Um, Doomwood uh, local, uh, a Doomwood local uh, who's voiced by uh, Danny Glover, and uh, bloodthirsty uh, Craven the Hunter, who is voiced by uh, Patrick Page. Uh, they do eventually run into uh, Doctor Doom, um, who it turns out the Doom running this Doomwood area is actually an imposter of uh, Doom. But at the end of the series, they actually do introduce uh, Doom himself. And he's voiced by uh, Dylan Baker. So that's one of the really cool things about these particular, uh, I guess, radio dramas, as you can call them, podcasts, is uh, they've got a fantastic uh, voice acting cast. So it's you, you're getting some uh, great storytelling in the Marvel Universe, and you're getting some... And, and again, it's fully done. It's orchestrated, sound effects, and everything, and uh, great voice uh, voice acting. And all the uh, episodes, there are, uh, like there's 10 episodes per series, and they're about a half hour long. So I'm not going to spoil any of them right now, because they're actually quite, uh, quite uh, um, intriguing to listen to and all that. And with only like about a half hour each, uh, they're actually quite a good listen so um the nice thing is you can listen to them uh straight through the whole entire series because they're all available right now well except for the most recent one which is on its second to last episode and that is uh wastelanders doom but more on that in a second so back to the star lord uh, story is basically you just figure out that uh, they go through this adventure and you find out uh, a little bit of uh, why uh, star lord and rocket seem to be the only guardians that we are uh, working with in this particular episode and um, whether or not they actually uh, find this relic so in october of uh, 2021 i believe the beginning of october um 
Yes, according to my research, it's October 4th of 2021. That's when uh, they released the Marvel Wastelanders Hawkeye. So again, well, all the these series do take place uh, 30 years after V-Day when all the villains came up and killed all the, the heroes, um, at least basically the heroes that matter. The sole survivor of the Avengers is Hawkeye, who is voiced by Stephen Lang. And he is now a sideshow freak. He's uh, reliving the worst days of his life uh, for paying audiences. He's surly, he's broken, and he's uh, losing his sight. But there's uh, still aiming him to be a hero, the, uh, to avenge his friends, and he is ready to do what he needs it to be done, killing every last person responsible for the deaths of those he loved the most. Now, when the Brotherhood Traveling Service, Carnival, and uh, Ringmaster's Roadshow arrives at the Kingdom, which is a uh, territory form known as the Southwest Desert, uh, Hake gets an unexpected visitor. His estranged 17-year-old daughter, Ash, who is voiced by Sasha Lane, who is on her own uh, 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 mission of vengeance and after losing her best friend. So she insists that her, uh, on following Hawkeye on his secret message, uh, his secret mission, message, <laughs> mission. Um, and in a world without heroes, Ash learns what a true hero can be. And like I said, we get a couple of cameos from different uh, characters uh, like the other ones, uh, like Mockingbird or Bobby Morse, <clears throat> as she goes by in here, is uh, voiced by Michelle Hurd. Uh, we also have Joe Morton doing the Ringmaster, Tracy Thomas as uh, Kate Bishop. And so technically this particular story seems to take place uh, parallel to the storyline in uh, the uh, Wastelanders um, Star-Lord series so the beginning of this year january 10th of uh, 2022 the third series comes out and it is uh basically marvel wastelanders black widow so like the other stories uh this one is like 30 years after the uh the uh v-day uh when helen black arrives at a new apartment in the owner a 161 story apartment uh, complex that uh, used to be uh, midtown manhattan that is owned and operated by shield and it becomes the uh, very embodiment of the dystopian wealth and equality that has engulfed New York City ever since V-Day. A collection of uber-rich families uh, occupy the opulent uh, penthouses of the Decadomes. The uh, owners, uh, the uh, owners, the, 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 the building, um, its highest uh, 10 stories. Helen Black's uh, apartment is located in a much more uh, humble 100 block where her nosy neighbor uh, asks uh, her through paper-thin walls, what brought her here? She critically alludes to problems with an ex. So on the same uh, day that Helen moves into her apartment, Lisa Cotwright reports for her first day as a junior residential research analysis for Pontecog Solutions, a private security company hired by S.H.I.E.L.D. to monitor the residents of the ONAR without their knowledge or consent. Uh, Lisa is assigned to survey Helen's corner of the 100 block and quickly discovers that Helen Black is not all that she claims she is. So one of the really cool things about this particular uh, series is that uh, not only is it completely set uh, in a different environment as the uh, previous two where we have the opulence and technology 
all to the advantage of the uh, situation. Um, but uh, we actually have the voice cast, which is uh, starring uh, Susan Sarandon as Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, which is kind of neat. Uh, she, she also plays Helen Black, so obviously Helen Black is secretly Black Widow in this. But uh, we got Eva Murray as Yelena uh, Beloff. And uh, we got Michael Boxleitner as Marco Maritario. I believe is how it's uh, pronounced and uh, yeah so like we even have like uh, Melissa Gilbert doing a voice and all that and it's uh, quite uh, the cast uh, all the way down to like even Morgan Fairchild has a role as uh, Tappy Burge and it's kind of neat to see because also uh, the environment is completely different than uh, what has we've seen before as well because at one point there is actually a flood that uh, hits the uh, the well the former city of New York City um, so badly that like the first like hundred levels of this building is completely uh, washed underwater. So that also brings us to the fourth series which uh, continues on again in the same universe 30 years after the assassination uh, and all the Avengers and the X-Men and nearly every other superhero have been killed. Um, the Red Skull has assumed the office of President of the United States, and since that day, a traumatized Wolverine has wandered in days of survivor's guilt and self-loathing over the few, uh, failure to protect his fellow X-Men and their mutant stu students. So on June 12th is when we were given Wastelanders Wolverine. So in this story, Wolverine encounters Sophia, a young mutant in hiding, and uh, vows to transport her to safe hands to strange former X-Men Kitty Pride and Rachel Summers. When the Red Skull and his top lieutenant Crossbones frame Wolverine and escalate anti-mutant sentiments to dangerous new levels, our hero realizes that the only option may be to face Red Skull and his savage allies head-on. But a shocking, terrible truth may, dis may destroy Wolverine first. And to uh, reiterate what uh, we did with Black Widow, we actually have Robert Patrick doing the voice of Wolverine, which is kind of cool. Uh, we got uh, Ashley Atkinson doing uh, Kitty Pride. We have Red Skull voiced by uh, Rachel Crow. And because it's like a Wolverine story, we have a little bit of uh, backstory that goes uh, into history where he encounters uh, Captain America and Bucky Barnes on a mission. So, well, on one of Captain America doing one of his missions in World War II. So, so that's where the present day uh, storyline ends that we have with Wastelanders. Because the next series, which is uh, Wastelanders Doom, uh, basically picks up pretty much where uh, the first series, which is Marvelanders, Marvelanders, Marvel Wastelanders uh, Star Lord, ends. So again, I put a little bit of a spoiler at the beginning, but at the end of uh, Star-Lord, it's discovered that Doom has been an impersonator all along, and the actual Doom has been freed from his 30-year prison. So um, he was betrayed by the other villains on V-Day, uh, and then he basically ends up t teaming up with uh, Valeria Richards, the uh, daughter of Reed and Sue Richards, um, to seek revenge. And it, like I said, it immediately picks up from the story of Star-Lord. Now that is the series that is currently airing. There is, I believe, uh, one more episode still to air at this point. 
And like the previous series, it's got a great um, set of characters that they have in here and some pretty good uh, voice acting as well. Like we got Dylan Baker as the voice of Doom and uh, we have sequences with uh, Hulk and Kingpin and Claw and uh, She-Hulk and so forth and so on. So I just want to state that uh, this has been an enjoyable uh, series of podcasts to listen to. Uh, my work allows me to be able to listen to stuff while I'm working. So I've been able to, uh, I would uh, I, I would wait like a couple of weeks so I'd be able to listen to a couple episodes in a row. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. And like I said, I can't wait until the final episode of Doom uh, comes out. I believe it is going to be actually this week when it gets released. And uh I, I can't recommend this any more. I mean, it is it is uh, a fun thing. Uh, it's it's kind of neat to listen to another thing uh, that is not the MCU, but it still is Marvel, and it is basically comic book Marvel. And like I said, um, whatever allegation it gets after this, but uh, it's it's kind of a cool thing to listen to. So thank you for tuning in to this supplemental episode of Geeking Off the Page that we call Off the Cuff, a Planet Geek production. Please be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can find us at our social medias through Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Planet Geek Productions. On Instagram and Twitter, Planet Geek Pod. Or you can send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next bad time, same spider channel, may the force be with you, and thanks for tuning in.